Good morning again. We're going to spend just a couple of moments reflecting on the Bible passage that Joe just read for us. But as we open God's Word, why don't we ask Him to speak to us now uh, through what we hear. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to reflect on Your Word in the Bible, as we think about the birth of Jesus, will You help us to see the significance of that first Christmas and the significance of Your Son born King over all? Will You help us to hear You and to respond? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, the best Christmas present I ever received was uh, a gift in 1985. It was the year that Boris Becker won Wimbledon. He was only 17 years old. Uh, at the time, he was the youngest ever, and I don't know if that record's been surpassed. Um, we've got some pretty young players around at the moment. Uh, I was 10 years old, and I decided that I was going to go and win Wimbledon someday. Uh, it hasn't happened yet, but, you know, I'm holding out the hope. I haven't played tennis for over 15 years, but <laughs> nothing is impossible. Uh, it was a, a great Christmas present. I enjoyed it so much. Uh, and I've had lots of joy out of tennis over the years. Uh, but isn't it funny? So much of Christmas is about um, gifts. You know, you might be able to think back to a significant gift that came to you or something that you really remember. Um, uh, so much of Christmas is about gifts. Uh, there's giving gifts. There's receiving gifts. Uh, I think Esther said today she was so excited to see her kids enjoy the gifts that they'd opened. There's a, a great joy as a parent when that happens. Um, and I think probably most of us have opened Christmas presents already. I think Beck already talked about that. Uh, and for the rest of us, there might be presents under the tree at home or, or stockings on the mantelpiece, or you might have everything wrapped and ready to go in the car for your um, family lunch or dinner tonight. Of course, Christmas hasn't always looked like what we do now with Christmas trees and gifts and wrapping and tinsel. Um, it would have looked a little bit different uh, to the way that we do Christmas in 2023, back 2,000 years ago, and I'm sure you know the story. Uh, Mary was engaged uh, to be married to Joseph, and uh, she's married, uh, they haven't uh, been married yet. She gets visited by an angel, and this angel tells her that even though she was a virgin, she'd become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and that the baby would be the son of the Most High God. Um, and the angel goes on to say this baby would fulfill all these Old Testament uh, prophecies, all this Old Testament expectation. Uh, he would be a ruler like his ancestor King David was. He would rule the people of Israel forever and his kingdom would never end. And so it's this amazing promise from an angel, a miracle birth about this long-awaited king. Uh, he would rule uh, the people. We, we imagine his, his birth is going to come with all the pomp and circumstance of a royal birth. You remember when King George, or not King George, Prince George was born. They had that massive thing. And so we imagine palaces and crowns and riches. But instead, Mary and Joseph find themselves traveling to Bethlehem to be counted in a Roman census. Uh, it's a backwater. Uh, and, and there in this little backwater town, Mary gives birth to her baby, Jesus, in a stable because there was no room at the inn. And from an earthly perspective, this, uh, this birth of the king is nothing impressive. Um, it's, it's humble. It's hidden. It's hardly noteworthy, you might think. But in Matthew chapter 2, we see Jesus' birth from a different perspective, from the perspective of some people from the very far east. So we're transported to the far east, to a place of the sunrise, as the original language calls it. I love that. Because there in the east... This star had risen in the sky, this bright star which acts as a sign to the people who live there 
that a promise is going to be fulfilled. Uh, the Magi, they're called here in Matthew 2. We often call them um, the wise men or the kings or the three kings. Um, Bible actually doesn't say there was three of them, but I guess because there was three gifts, we think there might have been three of them. Uh, anyway, um, they're quite mysterious. They're not mentioned at all again in Scripture after this. Um, but uh, what we do know about these Magi is that they see this star in the sky and they follow it. They follow it all the way to Jerusalem, to the capital city of uh, God's people, and they start asking this question that we see in verse 2. They ask, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. Um, there was a movie a couple of years ago, a new adaptation of Aladdin. Um, there was the original cartoon about 30 years ago, and then a three or four years ago, a new one. Did you see anybody seen Aladdin? Three of us, that's good. I'm going to put a picture on <laughs> four of us. Um, one of my favorite scenes is when the genie turns Aladdin into Prince Ali. He, he takes this um, peasant and makes him into a king. And uh, there's this amazing scene, this singing and dancing routine. This is uh, Will Smith is the genie. Um, there's this procession of elephants and monkeys and dancers and the, the whole town shows up and there's wealth and extravagance and they're throwing gifts everywhere. And I kind of wonder if the arrival of the Magi might have been a bit like this. You know, do you think they came into Jerusalem just... Bum, 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 bum. No, I think they would have. I would have if I was them. The whole turn... Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, the whole turn, a town turns out to see uh, in Aladdin, this new prince who's come to town. And maybe the Magi, it was the same. They, they made quite an impression, it seems, in the town. The whole town was stirred up and knew that they'd come. Um, one other person was stirred up, though, and that was King Herod, who was the king of that place at the time. Uh, king Herod was stirred up because uh, he'd heard that they were asking this question about Jesus, this new king of the Jews. Well, as far as he was concerned, he was the king of the Jews. Um, and so this little baby was a threat to King Herod's power. We're going to follow the story a little bit more in the new year here at Robbo Church. Uh, long and short, uh, Herod calls the Magi secretly, sends them to find the baby. Um, he's actually got a plan to kill the baby. He doesn't want any threats to his throne. We're not going to pay attention to that part of the story. Um, what we are going to focus, though, on is the Magi and, and their reason for going to find the baby because for the Magi, they see this star. They see this star and they follow it because they know it's going to lead to a person who is very, very special. Uh, Herod's religious advisors knew exactly who the special someone was. In our Bible verse, it said that the Magi were looking for the Messiah or the Christ. Both of those words mean the same thing. They were looking for this king who'd been promised in the Old Testament times, this uh, prophetic king who had come, a, a king who would restore the kingdom of Israel to its former glory, this king who would be a shepherd for God's people, it said in a little poem in our Bible reading. And this star is a sign to the people that the, Ma the Messiah had been born and the Magi follow the sign all the way. And I don't know if you noticed it, I feel like there's quite a juxtaposition in this story. Uh, we have these wise men, perhaps they're kings, uh, and they're coming with all their fanfare to see the baby Jesus, to see this king who's even greater than themselves. And then you've got King Herod who's disturbed about this king who might be greater than himself. But the new king is born in a lowly cattle shed. 
Uh, this promised Messiah is not born in a palace, not in a capital city, but he's born in a stable in some backwater town. And all that fanfare of Aladdin that we'd kind of expect for the birth of a king, well, it's never seen, except for some shepherds who looked up to the sky and saw a host of angels singing praises to God about the birth of this heavenly king. But you know what? That's how God had planned it. Uh, we don't have time to look through all of the Bible this morning, but the Old Testament, it is full of hints and shadows and, and prophecies that point to this king who would be born in humility. Uh, the stable doesn't detract from Jesus' importance. It's actually the heart of who Jesus is. He's a, he's a king who doesn't lord it over us. Uh, he's the son of God who's born into human flesh to show that he understands us and he gets us and he stands with us. And there's so much more about Jesus that I'd love to share. Jesus is the light in the darkness. He's the, the wonderful counselor and the prince of peace. He's the, the one who brings justice. He's the one on whom God's spirit rests. He's the one who saves people from their sins. All of that expectation is wrapped up in this tiny baby in the manger. And you know what? The Magi knew all of that. In verse 9 it says, They saw the star and they followed it until it stopped over the place where the child was. And it says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down, and they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I guess they were probably the first Christmas presents. Isn't that great? So what do you do with this story of the wise men and the star and the baby and the manger? Um, because it's more than just a story, isn't it? Uh, the evangelist Billy Graham said, Christmas is not a myth, it's not a tradition, it's not a dream, it's a glorious reality. And this glorious reality, this Christmas story, it's recorded so that each of us can make our own response to the baby in the manger. Because this story demands a response. It asks whether we're going to follow the star. It asks whether we're going to follow it and look down into the manger and see not just the Christmas story, but the birth of God's Messiah, God's own Son born to save us from our sins and, and to bring us second birth. It asks whether we'll bow down and worship Jesus like the Magi did, not just with our lips, but from our hearts and with all that we have. And I actually think that's why the Magi brought such extravagant gifts, such precious gifts to Jesus. They're an expression of how much Jesus or the Messiah meant to them, that they'd hold back nothing from the Son of God. They would give Him their all in worshipping Him and following Him. So how do you follow Jesus? Um, I love that you're here this morning. We're all here because we responded to Jesus in some way or another. And for some of us, we've given our whole lives to following Jesus because uh, uh, we love him. We recognize who the baby in the manger is and Christmas is the season to remember all that Jesus is for us. For others, perhaps you're following the star to Jesus for the first time. Perhaps you saw the invitation uh, with the wonderful star in the manger and you thought, I've just got to go to church this year. Perhaps that's you. It's so great that you're here today. And perhaps for others of you, uh, Christmas, uh, Jesus is part of your Christmas tradition, but maybe not part of the tradition for the rest of the year. Maybe though you know deep down that there is more to this baby in the manger. There's more to him and something that made you reach out and uh, respond to him and give him the reverence that he deserves. 
Uh, if that's you, I'm so glad you're here too. There's no time like today to start following Jesus and to find out more about him, to, to look and to see more than you've seen before. See, I think Matthew records this story of the Magi for people just like us, for people who are seeking, for people who are looking, people who are searching for the truth. And if that's you, can I encourage you to keep following the star this year? Keep coming along to to church here at Robertson or Burrowing or or wherever it is that you live, uh, if you're visiting today. Because Jesus, as we heard earlier, he's the greatest Christmas gift that we could ever receive. And God sent Jesus to us God gives Jesus to us like a good parent gives gifts to their children. And Jesus, God has given the gift of his presence. Emmanuel, the name Jesus means God is with us. He's given us forgiveness. He's given us healing. He's given us restoration and peace and hope and that light in the darkness that we read about before. And all of that is wrapped up in God's greatest Christmas gift to us, his son, the Messiah, Jesus. Will you join me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your gift to us at Christmas, the gift of your Son born to bring us back to you. Help us to come to Jesus, to bow down and worship him, and to give our very best to honor him. May our hearts be overjoyed this Christmas as we look down at your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.